Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining us now to talk a little college football on the podcast, David Ubbin from The Athletic. Uh, also hosts a great podcast of his own, Football and Grits, with our friend Brody Miller. David, you're kind of like Moby Dick here. I've been trying to get you on radio or a podcast with me for like a year and a half, so I'm finally, I finally got there. I, I appreciate you coming on with me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. It's always good uh, to, to get around the league, and uh, it should be an interesting future ahead, to say the least. Yeah, well, we'll start with some some just some SEC talk and and two teams last year that that I, I had as disappointments were Kentucky and Arkansas. I was very high on those teams in the preseason. I thought they would challenge to be second in their respective divisions, and they were pretty far off of that. Are they bounce back teams this year? Can they be eight nine win teams in twenty twenty three? I buy Kentucky. I don't know that I buy Arkansas. I, I think you look at Arkansas. Uh, you know, Barry Odom, a massive, massive loss uh, at defensive coordinator. Uh, he was a huge asset for them. Um, one of Sam Pittman's best hires. Um, you also lose Kendall Bryles. You, you run it back with Danny Enos. You know, obviously, K.J. Jefferson has a ton of experience and, and all of those things. They lost a lot on defense as well. But, you know, when they lost him last year, it showed they just don't have a great option behind him. You know, Cade Fortin is okay, but it, it ultimately – you know, that team looked tired. They looked uh, pretty listless without KJ last year. And if you try to make him a pocket passer, you take away the things that he does best to try and protect him, even though he's a gigantic person. So I don't really know that, that you're going to see a, a huge bounce back season from Arkansas. I think they'll probably make a bowl, but, you know, I don't really see that 8-9, you know, game potential. Like the West is too deep this year. I think AM does bounce back. Like LSU can contend for a national title. Alabama's Alabama. I don't think they're due for a peak year, but they're still Alabama. They're still really talented. Kentucky, I think, on the other hand, can. I, I think – you know, adding Devin Leary, the best quarterback in the portal, is massive. And for them to get that win, that's not something that Kentucky does a lot of. And last year under Rich Scangarello, they were so predictable uh, offensively. The execution was bad. You know, Liam Cullen coming back, I think he's motivated. I think he uh, is rejuvenated after, you know, a year in the NFL. And and uh, that, that combination, I think, can really do some magical things. Obviously, you have the maturation of, uh, Barry and Brown, and, and they still bring back some good offensive linemen. Chris Rodriguez back. So, uh, and then you have sort of just the reliability of, of Mark Stoops, who has been, you know, steady Eddie in the SEC for quite some time. So I buy Kentucky as a bounce back much more than Arkansas. Who's that team this year then? Who's the disappointing team that maybe we're talking about right now? Like, oh, yeah, they should be pretty good. And then when we get to the end of the season, you, you won't be totally surprised if they're not. I think Alabama, personally. I Ooh. think you, you look at Alabama and you look at, at the pieces that they have and all the question marks that they have um, and replacing coordinators and doing it with guys that aren't that exciting, even though I think coordinators in general, when you have Alabama and Georgia's roster, you 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 suddenly get a lot smarter, I think, <laughs> when, you're, yeah. when you're coaching with those kind of players. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you're taking a quarterback like Tyler Buckner out of the portal, a good player – but not, you know, uh, a a world beater, a Heisman candidate. And you look at at what they had to have Bryce Young do all last year. I don't. I have a lot of questions on the offensive line. You know, they really struggled last year. I don't know how much improvement you're going to see there. Um, and when it comes down to, it, I think the defense will be really good. 
but not good enough where you don't have to score 40 points sometimes. And there's a bunch of losable games on this roster. Now, a down year for Alabama is probably like nine wins. And I think that's definitely on the table um, because I don't think they're going to be able to score. You know, I don't love them. They didn't upgrade a receiver in the same way that Georgia did. You know, I don't really love the receivers all that much. And you have obviously the biggest question marks at at, uh, at quarterback. You don't really have a great answer there. And you have all that change and you have this sort of rising second class. I mean, in any given year, Alabama plays, what, four games that are losable, you know, a year. They might have six to eight this year. They might win half of those by double digits, but they're going to be in some tight games and, and things bounce the wrong way. You will lose some of those games. So, I, my eyes are squarely at Alabama this year because I, I just don't love the roster. I don't think it's a macro issue. I think it might be a one-year stopgap, and, and we'll see You know if they can find somebody. And maybe Jalen Milrow develops. Maybe Ty Simpson takes a step this year. Maybe Tyler Buckner in a new you know in a new uh, uh, offense and and with a new uh, you know some new scenery as a new guy. But from what we see now, I, I my expectations are, are not that high for Alabama. I think people are just sort of assuming we can pencil them into the playoff. I'd, I'd have an eraser handy, personally. So what does that mean, then? Because, you know, since Saban has arrived at, at Alabama, they haven't ever missed back-to-back SEC championship games. What if LSU repeats this year? Are we are we finally, finally seeing the, the first crack in that foundation? Or is it just a two-year blip? And like you said, maybe in 2025 or 2024 – uh, they're right back at it. No, I mean, I think he'll be okay. I mean, ultimately, when you're still recruiting at the level that they're recruiting, I don't have any macro issues necessarily. I think things get harder when you have another um, big fish in your pond like Georgia. Uh, LSU doesn't have the top-to-bottom roster that Alabama has. Now, my, they, they might recruit that, but right now, you look at all the impact players that they have. You know, obviously, you start with Jaden Daniels. Malik Neighbors will be a really good player for them. Harold Perkins might get some Heisman votes. Mason Smith is back. You add Makai Wingo, like they got they got impact players all over the place. Guys that have played, have made big plays in the SEC. Bama does not have that. Now they'll probably, I'm sure, will have some guys that we, we you know aren't household names right now that will be you know in November. But there's something to be said for continuity, which uh, obviously LSU has. But ultimately, you know, when you're recruiting the way that they are, Alabama will be fine. I think you just got to make sure that you find a quarterback you can't have the the so-called game manager you know Brody Croyle type stuff people can can call Stetson Bennett that Stetson Bennett was a playmaker he didn't have all the tools but he made plays for them he wasn't just managing things and I I don't think that you can have that you have to have a game breaker to win the SEC and to win the national championship in 2023 let's stay on quarterbacks here for a second that was what the first half of the podcast was about Athlon's released their uh their preseason All-SEC teams, they had Will Rogers as the second-team quarterback. And really in the SEC this year, I feel like there's five proven guys, right? There's Jefferson, there's Rogers, there's uh, Daniels, there's Dart, and then there's Rattler, proven you know, in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Is there a quarterback in the SEC who right now we would say is unproven, but by the end of the year we could be saying that guy is a, is a special talent? Is it as simple as whoever starts for Georgia, or is there another guy that you like? I mean, the buzz is kind of building for Carson Beck. Uh, at Georgia, I we'll see. I he's got so many really good pieces around him. They upgraded massively at receiver. When you bring in Dominic Lovett from Mizzou, you bring in Rara Thomas from Mississippi State. I mean, those are two guys who've made a lot of plays in this conference, and now they're going to be making them for Georgia, which sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, so I mean, he'll have pieces around him, and their offensive line should be pretty good again. So if there's one, I mean, he he jumps out. I don't know if you know. 
Um, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned Milton and Leary, didn't you? I didn't those mention guys. them, but I, I mean, are those guys SEC proven to you? Uh, I think Leary is. I mean, he's ACC proven. If that yeah. to people, I think Milton will be much better. I don't know that he's going to be on the level of what we saw from Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be very, very good. Um, and then I, you know, of course, I, I, I'm not, you know, Ole Miss will be really interesting if Spencer Sanders can can push that there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think too, uh, you know, Connor Wegman and, and Bobby Petrino could be a really really fruitful marriage. Uh, I'm not driving the bus on the AM hype train, but I, I think they can be much better. I think the less Jimbo is involved in the offense, the the better they will be, um, because Bobby Petrino has not had a quarterback this good since Lamar Jackson and has not really had a roster this good, I mean, in a long time. <laughs> so I think there's something to be said for that. And, you know, if Bobby's got some toys to play with and uh, you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen, you could have some really good things happen in, in College Station this year. And, and Wegman, I think, is a really special player to make that happen. Let's talk about Will Rogers for a second because I feel like Within the MSU fan base, he's kind of a polarizing guy for for whatever reason. He's a quarterback who's won a lot of games. He's thrown for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. But you still have Mississippi State fans who are like, yeah, but. And then I talked to guys like you. We talked to Cole Kublick last week. We talked to Jacob Hester the week before that. They love Will Rogers. They, they talk about, you know, great quarterback. Would put him in any system. How do you view Will Rogers? I mean, I think he, he grew up a lot in the air raid. Um, you look at him early on, and then you look at him later. You know, it's an it's night and day. I think he really understood, um, you know, what Mike Leach wanted from him. So you bring in Kevin Barbet. It's a it's a whole different ball game. There's going to be some similar concepts. I like what what Kevin does schematically. I think they can do some really good things. Um, but it's going to be an adjustment. Now, when you've played as much football as he does, those adjustments tend to be a little bit easier um, because you can understand what defenses are doing and how what they want to accomplish fits into that. But it's still. A gigantic variable. Um, but I think if I was trying to break in a new offense, I would want a guy like a Will Rogers that has had so much experience and understands defenses and what they try to do and that the game is moving, uh, I'm presuming, pretty slow for him compared to a guy that had just never played in the SEC. So, um, yeah, I don't know. When you look at, at Zach Arnett, you know, it's hard to believe it's been almost 15 years for Dan Mullen to come to Mississippi State as an offensive coordinator. And, and, and we all saw how he elevated the program. Could Zach Arnett be a defensive Dan Mullen, a guy who's been a coordinator? He gets, he gets the big job finally. And you look up in five or six years and he's like, man, Mississippi State didn't really miss a beat. They're still going to bowls. They're still competitive. And they're a team that maybe has even been elevated a little bit under his leadership. I think it's possible. I think he was on that head coaching track. Um, you know, I, I it, it sort of depends. You know, I, I remember talking to Joe Castiglione um, a long time ago. Well, not that long ago. But, you know, they had had visions that Lincoln Riley could 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 step in for Bob Stoops about five years later than he actually did. <laughs> yeah. And that worked out pretty well. Um, and so, you know, I think one of my golden rules of coaching hires is if nobody else in your division would hire that guy as a head coach, don't hire that guy as your head coach. And Mississippi State has violated that here, obviously. But there were some obviously extenuating circumstances, and I, I think when you have to, when you can continue some some vision of the program, I think there is a level of continuity that makes it easier for a first time head coach. That he's a first time head coach, but it's not the same as when you're going into a whole new place. You've got to win over new people. You've got to win over new players. I think if you're going to be a first time head coach, 
um, you know, doing it at a place where you have some uh, capital built up with the people and the stakeholders involved can make it a little easier. I think Zach Arnett is really a wild card. I love him schematically. Um, you know, what they did with the three three five and bringing him in was really smart and they've been really effective. But being a head coach is just a different animal. Like the time management piece is is hugely difficult. The decision making that you're not used to making can be a really tough adjustment. And I think that ultimately decides how head coaches, uh, you know, do. It's not really in year one. It's okay. Year one is a whirlwind. It's a zoo. You got to try to figure out, okay, what are the lessons that I learned and how can I apply those moving forward? And how you adjust to the year one, I think, ultimately decides how a lot of first-time head coaches, um, you know, handle uh, the rest of their tenure. And so I'd be watching for, for you know, the lessons that he learns this year and, and how he applies those moving forward, you know, not just on Saturdays, but, you know, in May and how you handle players and how do you decide how much contact you want to have in practice? How do you schedule your day? Like there's just so many decisions that are involved in being a college head coach right now. And so many different masters that you sort of have to uh, juggle back and forth that, you know, I've said for a long time, like, Call, you know, being a college head coach is a lot more like being a Fortune 500 CEO in 2023 than it is about being a football coach. I have no questions about Zach Arnett, the football coach. He has a lot to prove uh, as Zach Arnett, the the CEO, head coach of an SEC program. David Ubbin from The Athletic. Man, that was really good stuff. Appreciate your time. Check out his work and check out the Football and Grits podcast with Brody Miller. You keep Brody in line for us. Appreciate it. <laughs> I think Brody's trying to keep me in line these days, so we'll see. <laughs> Can the blind lead the blind? That would be the question I would have. We'll Thanks find out. We'll find out. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.